the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. With a reasonable answer for the hope that lies within us, this is Contending for the Faith with Dr. Jerry Buckner. And now, to introduce Dr. Jerry Buckner, here's Gary Bell. Well, good evening and welcome to another exciting edition of Contending for the Faith. With your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, professor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Well, tonight we bring you part 11, that's right, part 11, in our series on the doctrine of the Trinity. This essential doctrine of the Christian faith is one of the most controversial teachings in the Bible. It's also one of the most misunderstood teachings. The doctrine of the Trinity has been maligned, attacked, it's been denied, and it's been eisegeted throughout history, going all the way back to the Arian heresy under Arius Alexander. Question, why is there so much biblical illiteracy when it comes to this doctrine, particularly in our churches? And what can we do to disciple people in this essential area? Well, for the answer to this and much, much more, stay tuned, because we are not pretending. We are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that uh, uplifting and challenging and blessed introduction. And we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, and we know that you're going to be blessed and uplifted by our program tonight. Well, we've been talking, as Brother Gary said, uh, on the Trinity. The Trinity is the heart of who God is. One God called Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal, and co-existent. And we have talked about that one God revealed in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And that one God, you don't have to be a great logician, that great God, that one God, is called Father, Son, and Holy Spirit throughout the pages of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And one of the greatest passages, and we have dealt with the one God, we dealt with the Father being called God, now we're dealing with the Son, was called God. And one of the greatest scriptures on the deity of Christ, that he is God, truly God, is Colossians 2 and 9. I talked about that last Saturday, and I want to talk about that some more tonight. And we want to encourage you to uh, get uh, next to your table with some paper, pens, and your Bible, and prepare to go to Bible school and seminary so you can learn the truth of Scripture. 
It's not bad being ignorant. It's only bad when you want to stay ignorant. And so we want to draw your attention again to one of the greatest passages in the Bible on the deity. The word deity means that Jesus is God. So Colossians 2 and verse 9. Colossians 2 and verse 9. For in him dwelleth all, not part, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Theotetosomaticos, deity in flesh. So in him dwelleth all, not partial, not just a little tiny bit, but in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That is a tremendous passage of scripture. That is something that you have to be really blinded to deny and not accept. Now, I want to develop tonight a little bit more on this word, this word in this passage of scripture, fullness or full. Make note of that, full or fullness. When we use the word full, we're talking about fullness. Now, one of the things I want to say is that how many times have you heard the expression, he or she is full of it? How many times have you heard the expression, he or she is full of themselves? How many times have you heard the expression, he is fully loaded? Uh, and uh, we can say this is true regarding a lot of people in the church as well as outside the church. And uh, the thing that is important for us to understand is that there is a wrong way to express the word full, and there is a right way to express the word full. The correct expression uh, when it comes to Jesus Christ, he is the fullness of everything that God is in eternity and on earth as well, in time and space. Uh, and he is the fullness of God, and he is the fullness of God, and he will fill your cup until it overflows in the Holy Spirit. We can be uh, full of Jesus Christ only to the point of being empowered and filled by the Holy Spirit. We cannot be uh, full of God like the way Jesus is in terms of being God, but we can have his fullness in terms of being filled by the Holy Spirit, and either we're going to be filled and have the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives, or we're going to have the fullness of the flesh in our life. That's why it's so important to read the Bible every day. A chapter a day helps to keep the devil away. A verse a day helps to keep the devil away. And when you are in the fullness of God's presence, the fullness of God's word, the fullness of prayer, and the fullness of, of fasting, 
and the fullness of the church and accountability, then the Holy Spirit will come upon you and, and fill you for service and witness bearing. That's something so important for us all to understand and have a working knowledge of. Now, let's go back and think about Colossians 2 and 9 again. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. When it says all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, it's talking about Jesus's dual nature. He was fully divine and he was fully human. His dual nature. He was divinity wrapped in humanity. That's why John 1 and 1 says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And uh, verse 14 says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That was God, the word, the living word, broken to time and space, and took on humanity through the birth, uh, through Mary, and he took on physical form. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Notice Godhead and then bodily, meaning that this scripture is teaching the divinity and the humanity of Jesus Christ. Now, the thing that's so important for us to understand with this verse of scripture is several important things. Jesus, this scripture emphasized Jesus is the only perfect human and perfect God that fully understands you as a fully human being. No other religious leader can claim that. No other human being can claim that. Jesus, as God and man, that's the beauty of the divinity and humanity of Christ, is that he understands you like nobody else do, because he took on human form himself. And that's why when we stand before God, we're going to be judged by Christ, because he understands humanity like nobody else, and plus, he's God. Now, be, he understands you fully uh, as a full human being because he was a full human being, but he was God. He understands and sympathizes with your human infirmities and human weaknesses because he was tempted in all points like you and me, but yet without sin. He is also the only fully God who was fully perfect and fully without sin to fully forgive you and fully uh, empower you to overcome sin. Aren't you happy about that today, tonight? Jesus is fully God, fully man. Colossians 2 and 9 is teaching that. And that's what makes Jesus superior to all the other religions and mankind in general, and the founder of all the religions. Uh, Jesus is more superior than every Christian leader and any fully human being. 
Now, why? Because he's the founder of Christianity, and Jesus is not just fully human, but he is human and divine. Nobody else can claim that. that that's what makes the Bible, Jesus, and everything else about Jesus superior than everything else. Don't you know that the Bible is human and divine? You say, what do you mean by that? It's human because God used human writers and inspired them and filled them with the Holy Spirit to write the Bible. But it's uh, divine because it's talking about a divine God. The Bible is human and divine. Now, question, getting back to this superiority, there are two things, and make a note of this, there are two things that makes Christianity superior to all religions. Make a note of that. There are two things that make Christianity superior to all the religions of the world. What are those two things? Number one, it was uh, he was fully God and fully man and broke into time and space like no other person did. That's why he was able to heal the sick, raise the dead, turn the water into wine, walk on the water, and uh, he did things that no other man could do. That's why Jesus told the religious leaders, the hounds of hell, if you don't believe me for who I am, believe me for the very works that I do. They testify of me. The second thing that makes him superior to all the religious leaders of the world is because of his bodily resurrection. Not only did the Father raise him from the dead, but Jesus raised himself from the dead, and the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. All three persons of the Trinity, and we'll get into that when we get into tech, we'll get into the Trinity, the uh, area of the Trinitarian text. Now, I'm going to say this in closing. The resurrection makes him superior to all the religions of the world. And he came back from the dead. He raised himself and came back from the dead. And he said, all power has been given unto me in heaven and earth. Go and make disciples. What he laid aside in his humanity, he took up in his resurrection. And he said, all power has been given unto me. Now, my friend, I want to challenge you on this when I close, before I close. It's important for you to come to know this Jesus. And how do you do that? Confess your sins right now and ask Jesus to come into your heart. I want you to repeat after me right now. If you don't know him, I want you to repeat after me. If you know him, you still need to re repeat after me because you need to get closer to him. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I confess my sins. And you said that you're faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I accept you, Lord, right now as Lord and Savior of my life, as Savior and Lord. Lord, may I live under your kingship as king of my life. And I repent of all the sins in my life, and I turn to you. 
and follow you as a true extreme disciple. Thank you, Lord, for the message and the messenger. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches regarding the divinity and humanity of Christ. Brother Gary. Well, it is time for us to take that commercial break. We'll be right back with more Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Well, welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I want to thank all of you who have been continuously praying for this ministry. We certainly appreciate all the prayers that have gone up over the many, many years that have kept us, kept us going, kept us encouraged, kept us on the air. And so we just want to say a heartfelt thank you for those prayers. Uh, we always say the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. And so we know that many righteous folks out there praying for this ministry. And secondly, we want to thank those of you who have partnered with us financially over the years to continue to keep this ministry on the air. It cost us 400 a week uh, to do this broadcast. And right now we have a deficit of $210 that we need to make up. So we need your help. We need your prayers as well as your financial support. There's two ways that you can donate. One, send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith. Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California. That's spelled T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. Now, the second way is so much easier. Simply go online to contendingfaith.org contendingfaith.org and click on the donate button and you will be a blessing for time and eternity. You know, over the last week, we only had two folks that uh, donated and we need, need much, much more than two to keep things going. So we want to encourage you that if you've never uh, donated to the ministry, if you've never given, and if God has blessed you as a result of this ministry, maybe it's time to consider sowing some seeds into uh, eternity because we know that one day all those folks that have given to this ministry, God's going to tell them, look, look at, look at the vast majority of people who have come to salvation as a result. And see, it's so important that you participate not only through prayers, but that you also partner with us through giving. So we want to encourage you tonight. It's, it's, it's so vital that you help us and to continue to pray and continue to give. Dr. Buckner. Thank you, Brother Gary. Appreciate those uh, announcements and challenging words about uh, giving. And we know that uh, we cannot uh, operate without your prayers as well as your giving. So thank you for your faithfulness. And we just want to encourage, as Brother Gary said, to step up to the plate even tonight if you haven't given in a while and knock a home run for Jesus. All right, we're going to get right to our callers. Who do we have first, Brother Gary? We have got... CC, who is patiently waiting on line one. Hi, CC. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? Brother, we're truly blessed, truly blessed. Did you hear the message tonight? Oh, yes, I did. I heard it. All right. What's, what was something that stood out that blessed you? 
There's so many things that you named that I can't give them all. But I just I just liked how you broke it broke it down when you said that he was um, coexistence, co-eternal, and co-equal, and also like how you broke the broke down the fact of um, of of that fullness, and you broke the fullness down to mean that we can experience the fullness of God when we are filled with the Spirit. And also like the part um, that you broke down about that what made him superior is that he was not only God, but he was a man that he had being that he had a human nature. He could, he could identify with when we, we go through our suffering because he was tempted at all points and no other leader could do that. And it was just then like how you went to John 1, 1 and you broke, broke it down about how he broke into time and space and he meant and humanity and took on a human flesh. Through, through Mary, and he um, just—I mean—just and his superiority, and just everything in it, and how you, how you said that everything that Jesus, everything that God is, He is, and that's so important because so many people um, try to make try to separate the two. You know, they try to say that God is at a higher being. Even some even people, a lot of people even could call themselves Christians, will take on that that theology and. You broke it down, and I, I just appreciate it. You knocked more than a home run of Jesus. You knocked the ball out of the park by the power of the Holy Spirit with the fire of God on it. Amen. Well, thank you so much for that. appreciate the encouraging words, and we always appreciate the feedback that you always give. And we know every now and then other people write us and say they got blessed by what you always share, so appreciate that. Uh, and what's on your heart tonight? you have a question? Yeah, I wanted to ask you about this this word shalom. Um, mm-hmm. This in the um, that was used used you know among people. I want to, if you could um, give me some insight on that. Yes, uh, that's a that's an important question. Uh, shalom. Now you know the word shalom uh, means three important words, and very few people realize that uh, shalom. Uh, means hello, peace, and goodbye. Very few people know that. They just think of it in relationship to peace, but it means hello, peace, and goodbye. <clears throat> Those are the uh, the emphasis of the Hebrew word itself, but it's broader than that because uh, it's emphasizing uh, peace and harmony and wholeness, completeness, prosperity, and uh, all of that when you are walking in Christ. Only when you walk in Christ do you have that harmony, wholeness, completeness, and prosperity in Christ. Now, so when we talk about the word shalom, we have to always mention it on a deeper level that it's multidimensional. It's not just a single word but it's multi-dimensional. What do I mean by that? It will, uh, if you're walking in Christ, who is the author of peace, <clears throat> if you're walking in Christ, he will uh, not only give you peace, but he will give you, like I said, harmony, wholeness, completeness, and prosperity in a way that is taking care of your needs. Now, when I say prosperity, a lot of times word faith teachers will take it out of context and say, oh, he'll get you a mansion and anything you name it and claim. No, 
Philippians 4 and 19 says, but my God shall supply all your need. He didn't say once. Uh, prosperity teaches gifts into the once. Uh, if we are thinking theologically sound, we're going to be emphasizing the need versus the wants. Now, <clears throat> so another thing that's important that uh, Jesus said in John 14 and 27, Jesus said, peace I leave uh, with you. My peace I give unto you, uh, not as the world giveth. So he came to give us that shalom, that true peace that only comes through him. Now, the way we keep that peace once we come to know him, we got to add to that multidimensionalism, uh, Galatians 5 and 22. We got to be walking in the spirit in order to continue to experience his peace. Now, very few uh, pastors and ministers will put it that way because a lot of times people will lose the shalom peace because they lose the walk with God. <clears throat> They get away from their first love, as it talks about in the book of Revelation. So uh, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, <clears throat> goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. So the way that you have control with the peace of God is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, along with Jesus, gives you that peace. Now, Jesus is the author of peace. He is the giver of peace. And uh, so when we talk about peace, we got to always remember Isaiah 9 and 6. You know, uh, it talks about his name will be called peace as well. And uh, also one of the scriptures that I love in the Bible that I say every morning along with the armor is Isaiah 26 and 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. I love that scripture. And the reason why we are losing our minds, and we're going crazy politically and economically, financially, and every other way in life, because we're, we don't have God's peace. And, it, and, and the thing about having Jesus as our peace I love putting together with that Philippians chapter 4 and uh, also 4 through 8. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, make your requests known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Our hearts and minds are guarded by the peace of God in our lives and by us being filled with the Holy Spirit and walking in the spirit, if we want to experience that peace on an ongoing basis. So that's what I want to say regarding your question. And I've given you a lot of extra meat around that, but never delete the Holy Spirit uh, from being the comforter today. Now that Jesus is in heaven, he's the comforter that in uh, through us being filled with the Spirit, we have that peace uh, that passes all understanding, and we won't get worried and anxious over this and that, because the Holy Spirit will keep that peace uh, inside us and then fill us with it. So hopefully that helps you out a whole lot. I gave you a lot of extra stuff with that. 
I really appreciate it. You gave me way more than I thought you were going to give me. You gave me a lot. So I pre- I really appreciate it. It's, it's well appreciated, and I will be uh, using it to, to um, my advantage by God's grace. Thank you. Amen. Well, we have about a minute before we get to the next call. We're going to get your prayer request quickly and then turn it over to Gary so uh, we can go to our commercial break. You just pray for me to be filled with peace and however else you guys want to pray for me. Pray for my pray for my mother, my father, uh, you know what I'm saying, Brother Linda, and um, my family's protection. And just lift up in general those in the celebrity world. Amen. All right. Well, let's pray for him, Brother Gary. Well, all right. <clears throat> let's take that to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for Brother CC. We pray that you meet every need that's represented in his life. And that your perfect peace, which surpasses all understanding, would guard his heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Pray for his family, his mother and father. We pray, Lord God, for so many things that are in this world right now, so many people who are without peace, particularly in the realm of the celebrities and and in our government and, and the things that are happening now, Lord God. We pray for our leaders, Lord God, that you would convict them of sin and righteousness, that, Lord God, they would lead by following your lead. And, Lord God, that they would learn to have peace as a result of relationship with you. Lord, we thank you today. We praise you and give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, CC, for your call and your question. And uh, we'll turn it over to Brother Gary. Amen. All right. Well, we better take that commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. All right. Well, welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, Lecturer, Counselor, and Expert on the Cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. And uh, once again, we'd like to thank all of you who have been actively praying for Contending for the Faith and those of you who have participated through giving. This is a listener-supported ministry, and without your support, we'd be in big trouble. And so we right now have a deficit of $210 that we need to make up for this week. And so we want to encourage you. And, uh, you know, we, we've been on the air for 20 years and God has kept us on the air through your generous contributions and your faithful prayers. And so we just want to encourage you continue to pray and continue to give. There's two ways you can donate. One, send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Tiburon is spelled T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. The second way is so much easier. Just go online to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org. Click on the Donate button, and you'll be a blessing for time and eternity. Well, we've got a lot of callers, so let's get right back to them, Dr. Buck. Are you ready? Yes, it sounds like a good plan. Let's do that. All right, we're going to go to Craig. Hello, Craig. How are you doing? Hello, Dr. Buckner. Um, Thank you for your program and also to the gentlemen that help you out there. You're welcome. uh, Yeah, it seems like uh, my question could be like a part two of uh, Cece's question. But, um, yeah, we always... We know that, you know, the Lord God is in control of this world, and we always hear that, you know, from preachers and 
other folks. I mean, he is in control. He's he's the creator. Um, but we also know, you know, about all the evil throughout human history. And uh, we don't have to go into that. Everybody knows that. But right there in the good book, <clears throat> when you read the line, like out of 1 John 5.19, where it says, we know that we belong to God, but the whole world is under the power of the devil. Okay, at the same time, we say, we know that God is in control. And I, I just want you to speak to that, to kind of uh, un- unwrap that, um, Dr. Buckner, because I know you're the right man to ask that. And I'll just get off the air and listen to your response. And thank you for your time, okay? You're welcome. And thank you so much for your question and calling in as well. That's a very good question. Well, that question has been asked by uh, people throughout Christendom. Um, How uh, does God work in a world if he's on the throne and the uh, world is in the lap of the evil one? Well, it's an oxymoron because uh, the world, and this is how we look at it, the world is in the lap of the evil one, not so much God's children. So because they have rejected God, uh, it has opened up the door for the world to be in the lap uh, or control of the evil one. You remember Jesus had uh, taught his disciples that, uh, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. That's a good thing that they needed to know. And then also, uh, John writes in First John uh, 4 and 4, uh, ye are God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So the Holy Spirit is greater uh, in us than he that is in the world. Now, uh, we need to always remember that when even the evil one seems to be uh, in control. Now, God is always in control, but uh, Satan, look at Satan this way, like a a puppet on a string. Uh, I think it was Luther said, the devil is God's devil, and he can't do anything unless he gets permission from God. A good example of is uh, doing a serious study of the book of Job, and you find that he had to get permission from God to attack Job. And what God does a lot of times, he'll use Satan uh, for his own glory. And you remember uh, Joseph, after he went through all these attacks by the enemy, uh, God ended up being the one in control because what uh, he said to his brothers, what you intend for evil, God brought uh, good out of it. And then Romans 8 and 28, all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. So Isaiah, say a couple more things. Isaiah, uh, you know, when he looked up uh, after King Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and this train did fill the temple. He saw God on the throne. And one of the most terrible things that can happen to all of us you think it's bad now, just wait until everybody starts to experience the fulfillment of the book of Revelation. But one of the things that is a reminder when you read the book of Revelation is that Satan is having a field day 
but it's constantly telling you in the midst of his having a field day, it's saying over and over, I saw, John said, I saw God on the throne. I saw him. So God uses Satan for his own glory, for his own glory and he allowed him to attack Job. But in the end, the blessing that came Job's way was even greater than the beginning. And who was the one that ended up being laughed at in the end? It was Satan. He always has these little plans and schemes to try to attack God's children. That's why it's important for us to have on the full armor of God. But, you know, let's always remember that uh, God is on the throne. And anytime he allows Satan to do something, he even uses him for his own glory. And what he intends for evil, he brings good out of it. So that makes God continuously to be on the throne. And I think that frustrates the, the devil and demons too, because they have intentions to steal, kill, and destroy. But God uh, thwarts that, and he brings good out of it. So hopefully that's been a good answer to you. And uh, even with the Garden of Eden, the tragedy of all that, that God is going to take the attacks of Satan, even the Garden of Eden, and he's going to make another Garden of Eden, a new heaven and earth, greater than the one that was before. So God takes something that seems to be bleak and is like underground and, and, and terrible, and he makes it into a beautiful thing, and Satan in the end ends up uh, really being disappointed with that. Thank you for your call and your question, uh, Craig. God bless you, and hopefully that was that gave you some good uh, feedback on your question. All right, Brother Gary, we want to get to our next call. Yes. Let's go to Sophia. Yeah, I haven't heard from Sophia in a little while. A little while. Sophia, how are you doing? Well, you may not have heard from me, but I have copious notes, and it's so fabulous. Because let me tell you, Dr. Buckner and Brother Gary, I, because of your teaching on the divinity of Christ, no more do the, the you, it's like garlic to a vampire. The Jehovah Witnesses finally have left me alone because I met them at the door armed with all the verses you gave me, all the words, and they fled. Just like Jesus must flee, they fled. So thank you. Now. Amen. You know, it's, it's, an old saying, it's an old saying about the gospel. It says, it'll either draw you or drive you. <laughs> well, oh, we got the latter part in that way. Thank heaven. So what yeah. I want to say, oh, by the way, hello to Frederick. It was good to hear them hear him a while ago. So hello, Amen. Frederick. Now, what I want to say, and I'll be quick because I know a lot of people are calling, and that was a great answer you gave the last caller, and that really helped me a lot because that's a difficult question to answer. Now here, I'm reading Romans, and all of a sudden I get to 2.13. It says, for it, is, for it is not those who hear the law who are righteous, in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Okay, I get that. But then I go over to Romans 3.20. I'll be very fast. And it says, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. So I'm a little confused, because does this mean that when God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses, he gave it to the Jews, that he knew all along we couldn't keep it? It was more like a mirror to show how bad we are, and we're not, this kind of contradicts, like the one hand it says we're righteous by obeying the law, but then it says, no, we're not righteous through the, through the law, we become conscious of sin. So I'm just a little confused about that, because if right. God knew uh, we couldn't do it, so the Ten Commandments, he knew no, no one could ever do it. Is that true? 
Right, right, because the Ten Commandments, the purpose of the Ten Commandments uh, was to, uh, uh, you know, reveal how sinful mankind is. Uh, one thing that the Ten Commandments could not do and that it could not bring life, it could not give life, and it could not demonstrate love. And so what Jesus did, he came to bring love that would do uh, a work in us that's greater than the Ten Commandments. You know, the Ten Commandments, uh, 613 strong, uh, could not do what love could do. And that's why when you read Romans chapter 13, Paul mentions the Decalogue. He mentions, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery. And he says, if there be any other commandment, which is talking about 613 strong, uh, he says, it is summed up under this heading briefly. Uh, it's summed up under love your neighbor as yourself, for love is the fulfillment of the law. And remember, Jesus had said, they were asking him, what is the greatest commandments? And he said, the greatest commandments is not keeping the law, but the greatest commandment is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And upon these two hang all the laws and the prophets. So uh, love is the thing that's the fulfillment of the law. And so we have a moral law uh, to uh, keep. You know, that refers to love and loving our neighbor and not that sort of thing. But all of these other things in the Ten Commandments uh, doesn't relate to us. It was given to the Jews originally, uh -huh. not to the Gentiles. The only time a Gentile was uh, instituted by the law is when they became a proselyte. And then they uh, became a part of the law because Israel was a nation. Uh -huh. And so... When we come to the New Testament, we're under the law of love, not under the law of the do's and don'ts, because that doesn't save anybody. It just makes you worse than what you were, because the law came to teach us how sinful we are. But love through Christ came to give us uh, uh, something greater in our relationship with him. Oh, I see. So that's what was wrong with the Pharisees. They thought they were such hot stuff because they kept the law, but they didn't have the heart for God. That's right. They didn't have a heart for God, and they were into works. And the thing that brings true works is when we really love our neighbor and uh, God with everything we have. So hopefully that helped you. We're going to try to get to Rick, but uh, appreciate your uh, question and uh, thank you for calling in and uh, keep in contact with us and keep bringing the good questions. Absolutely. Thank God bless you both. God bless you as well. We're Brother Gary. Let's try to squeeze Rick in. All right. Rick, are you there? I'm here. Hey, and Brother Rick, good to hear you. your voice. What's on your heart today, brother? Okay. And yeah, we hear you. What's on your what's your question? We have my woman. And according to many uh, black uh, supremacists and racist groups like the black Hebrews and the Nation of Islam, they claim that Solomon was married to a black woman. How do we refuse that? Well, that's a good question, because if people would uh, go to their Bibles uh, to Song of Solomon, the Song of Solomon, uh, and you go to chapter one, this is where they get the argument that... Uh, Solomon's uh, wife 
the Shulamite woman was a black woman. The scripture doesn't teach that at all. That's an eisegesis of scripture, which is reading into the text something that you wanted to say rather than letting the text explain itself. And uh, so a lot of black militant groups try to argue that argument. But if you look at the text, you know, remember R.A. Torrey said, a text taken out of the context becomes a pretext for error. So the, uh, the explanation of the Shulamite woman is found in verses five and six. And it says, she says, I am black. This is where they try to get the argument at in, in Song of Solomon, verse five of chapter one. I am black, but comely, O daughters of Jerusalem, as the tents of Kedar, as the curtains of Solomon, this is what she gives the answer on. Look not upon me because I am black. She says, look not upon me. Now, she even answers it. Look not upon me because I am black. What, what does she say? Because the sun has looked upon me. So she is saying that her skin has gotten black because of radiation and because of the sun. And how did the sun work on her? Because she, if you do any study of the Shulamite woman, she, they, they used to work outside in the vineyards. And it was really over 100 degrees in those lands. And then if you look at the Son of Solomon, chapter 7 and verse 11, it says, Come by, beloved, let us go forth into the field. <clears throat> let us lodge in the villages. And then verse 12, let us go up early in the vineyards. Uh, and then verse uh, chapter 8 and verse 11, uh, Solomon had a vineyard, and then it says, the vineyard unto the keepers. So uh, the Shulamite woman, she got extremely dark, and Jewish people, are, are a lot of them in that land was darker people anyway, and the sun would hit them and make them darker, but it wasn't that they were black. So it was because she worked outdoors and the vineyard, and that's the thing that caused the pigmentation of her skin to get darker, not because she's black. She even says it herself, look not, um, in, in, in the Song of Solomon, verse uh, six, look not upon me because I am black. She tells you she's not black. Accept it. People got to accept that she's telling you that she's not black. The argument stops right there. Hopefully that answers your question, Brother Rick. Amen. It does. I mean, in reality, what, she, what was happening with her is it was what happens to most people when they're around the sun that long. That's so right. She didn't, have any sun she, she didn't have any suntan lotion at that time. <laughs> I know All right, that. let's get That's your, let's get your uh, we only have about a minute. Let's get your uh, prayer request, and then we're going to turn it over to Gary, because we only have about pray a minute. My, pray for my visit, though, this coming Monday to my endocrinologist. Pray, okay. pray on that tonight. Okay, let's do that, Brother Gary, and then you can bring it home. Uh, thank you, Rick, for your call. All right. <clears throat> so, Lord, we just pray for uh, Rick's upcoming appointment, that, Lord God, you would grant him favor. Lord God, we pray for a constant healing in his body, Lord God, that you restore him from the crown of his head to the bottom of his soul, Lord God, that you bring healing, life, restoration, and wholeness, and that you get a, a good report from his knowledge, Lord God. We just thank you for Rick. We pray that you encourage him. We pray for his mother as well, that you would keep her in good health and that you would 
and the rest of his family would come with saving knowledge of you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we've come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast, and we'd like to thank Vince, our engineer, and you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. It's important for us to hear from you. Your letters and cards are always an encouragement to us and a delight. So please drop us a note. Let us know how these programs have blessed you. You can reach us at Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. Please keep us in your prayers until next week. At this time, when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, with all, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you.